Welcome to the Space for Magic podcast, where people who are led by their hearts come to learn the secrets to receiving all the gifts the universe has for us. I'm your host, Patty Lennon. I'm an ex-type A corporate banker turned intuitive coach. Using a blend of common sense, brain science, and just a dash of magic, I am here to help you create abundance in every area of your life and business. Welcome. Hey everyone, welcome to this episode of the Space for Magic podcast. I'm your host, Patty Lennon, and today I have a guest that I told you about would be coming on the show that I'm so excited for you to hear more from. Octavia Rahim is a mother, author, yoga teacher, and activist. She has received national attention for her work training yoga teachers and diversifying the yoga and wellness industry. She is the author of Gather, and her most recent work is Pause, Rest, Be, Stillness Practices for Courage in Times of Change. Ooh, we need that now. And, um, you know, how I found this work was actually, you know, one of the blessings of social media. I think so often now it's, we're getting overloaded with things that don't help us, but I saw a social media post from this author just shared by a friend and her words immediately helped me to feel more at peace in my body. And since then, I've been following her work and watching what she writes and was so excited when this book was finally released. So welcome, 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 Octavia. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. So, you know, in the book, you know, before we started this interview, we talked about that there's so many incredible stories in the book and that those are there to be received by the reader in whatever space that reader finds these stories. But I think it's important for people to understand a little bit about your journey of what it looked like for you to finally understand the the need and the role that rest was going to play in your life. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes, I can. So I teach about rest and I'm a practitioner at rest and I hold a lot of space or a practitioner of rest and I hold a lot of space for people to rest via restorative yoga, meditation, yoga nidra, or just simply doing less. And I didn't come by this pathway you know, on a leisurely stroll, so to speak, to use a metaphor, I came to rest kicking and screaming. And after, you know, a lifetime of overworking, over-identifying with my worth, with what I could produce, over-scheduling, overworking out, all of those things came colliding into creating a perfect storm of pure fatigue and exhaustion about 12, 13 years ago when I ended up hospitalized for a condition that literally amounts to overusage of muscle, dehydration, and fatigue. And it was actually in that place of encountering this physical breakdown or physical illness related to my overworking and overdoing that I had to finally reckon with that the physical was really a manifestation of what was happening in my mind and my heart and perhaps even my spirit. 
But I didn't come to that reckoning or that realization alone. I'm in the hospital. I had a woman whose name I don't remember, but now I call her just my angel. She was my nurse, my night nurse there. And the first night I was there, she came in and said, what are you doing? What are you running from? And I'm like, what are you talking about running? I'm in the hospital because I'm not, you know, like she, she saw through my, I'm so high achieving. I worked so much for feeling whatever blank I was feeling at the time. And she just said, why are you functioning like this in such a dysfunctional way? And she gave me this scripture, Psalms 4610, which is one I walk with in my heart pretty much all days. And that is be still and know, you know. And so she met me where I was in this hospital bed, completely exhausted, completely overwhelmed by life, but also not willing to accept that I needed to stop and rest despite rest descending upon me rather violently through this illness. And she ministered to my spirit, you know, as she administered medicine, she also administered to my spirit and saying, you know what, you have to find a way to pause, to be still, to rest, to stop running, to stop chasing whatever it is you're chasing, and even to consider that what you're running after might just be looking for you. Just pause and be still, be still and know, Right. And so this is, that was a moment, the moment of, of a turning point for me. And it was an instant that I said, okay, I accept rest, right? You know, it was what planted this, this seed that ultimately has taken really deep root. And I've nourished it now through my study and my inquiry and my practice. But from that moment of being knocked down by total and sheer exhaustion, And ultimately, what I understand is like just fear, right? Because I believe that on so many levels, we don't rest. We fear the pause. We fear the slow. We fear slowing down. And what we're ultimately fearing is what we might encounter within the stillness and within the quiet are, if we go back to that, that original scripture my nurse shared with me, the be still and knowing this deeper knowing because some things that once we start to, once we know them, we can't unknow them and they're going to change the trajectory of our path. Right. And so if we want to stay the same, we avoid the things that will ultimately change us. And so for me, I left, you know, when I was released from the hospital, which I thought was going to be a day, (laughs) ultimately turned into four. So I knew that I couldn't go back to living exactly as I had because it had caused me so much great pain And I'm armed with this singular scripture, be still and know. And at the time, by the way, I'm already a yoga teacher for years at that point, but I was teaching a lot of extremely athletic yoga. I was in constant pursuit of, you know, the perfect headstand or handstand and really actually using my yoga practice as a place to punish myself and my body, try to control my body into a shape or into, you know, something that maybe it didn't want to be versus a place of being well. Now, I don't think that's what everyone who does hyper-athletic yoga does, but that's what I was doing, right? Mm. And so coming from that point, I knew more stillness-based yogas like restorative yoga, like yin, like yoga ninja, I even had a meditation practice that just kind of fell 
I had experienced the deep that happens in meditation, but I also think that's why I was like, okay, I'm going to just keep avoiding that kind of practice, right? But I knew enough about yoga to know that another way of practice existed. And, you know, it was a slow process of whereas my my practice and my work looked like five to seven days of really athletic yoga, I started adding in one day of that then two days of that, then three days of that, you know, and then instead of overprivileging my home practice to be hyper athletic and very workout driven, I started meditating first, you know, before practice and after our only meditating, right? And so I say all that to say that this is a lifelong journey in practice and shifting from hyper productivity and the things that keep us in this endless cycle of I'm just so tired. I'm just so tired. I can't even think clearly. I'm so tired. It for me it is something I have to wake up and choose and be deeply intentional and mindful of every single day. Mm, yes. I love that. I was actually similar to you. I, I didn't do power yoga every day, but I was doing every other day a type of power yoga. And then the other days I was doing kickboxing. So Mm. similar levels of activity. And I ended up finding out I had a fracture in my spine. I had to stop all of that Mm. and finding other practices, slower practices. And you say something in the book about, I don't know if it was the first time you did restorative yoga, but it was certainly new to you being annoyed with all the props. (laughs) Oh man, I really was. It was the first time, and I was in a yoga challenge, actually. It was the queen of challenges then. <laughs> so and, even, wait, wait, wait. So even in the midst of <laughs> heading towards this rest, you challenged yourself. <laughs> well, so here's the thing. I was in a yoga challenge, and I didn't I, – I, I was moving pretty quickly all the time at that point. And I just looked on the schedule and saw that there was a class. I didn't actually read what kind. And because my mentality was like quick, fast, yoga, a series of asana, all these things at this point. Because this, I actually had taken restorative yoga before, one time before I had this kind of physical breakdown. Ah, okay. Right? okay. Yeah, yeah. And so I... Yes. And so that that's part of how it was able to come back to me so quickly when this moment says, be still and no. And I, and I was devastated because, you know, being hospitalized in that moment, like my, my workout, my movement, my, all of that was so much to me. And I still love movement. Right. But I was devastated. I was like, I have this thing now. Will I be able to use my body the way I had been? And so Anyhow, I had taken one restorative yoga class and it kind of came back to my memory. And I was like, is that the kind of yoga I'll be practicing now? So, but your point is in the book, I talk about going to that first class, walking in and seeing there were only two or three people in there and they had so many props. And the teacher said, grab your props. And I said, oh, I don't use props. (laughs) She's just like, this class is about the props, right? And I, and then she just starts getting me my props and I'm completely annoyed because, you know, in my mind, I'm like, well, isn't a prop a crutch? I have this whole pretty ableist also mentality around the usage of props, which now I see and I teach 
using props as a way of using support, but also being in relationship with what is our, how do we relate to support? You know, like I think using props is really, is really an empowering aspect of the practice. But the first time I took restorative yoga, I just was very annoyed with the the prop is the doing nothing, you know, the silence, like all of the, I, I twisted, I turned, I wiggled so much. And I also had this transcendent moment of just crying in this release that happened that I didn't understand till years later, you know, that my nervous system was like, oh, thank goodness that this lady has finally stopped doing stuff and we can start to process and release some of all of the baggage she's carrying, right? And so it really is, I have deep compassion when I teach brand new to stillness yoga students, right? Because I'm like, I was that woman wiggling and scratching and looking at the clock and huffing and puffing in that first class because I was deeply resistant to being still and to resting and to ultimately having more full access to the still small voice within me, mm-hmm. you know, that, that was whispering, but I kept it loud. So I didn't have to hear it, you know, and ultimately, you know, he listening to that voice, or creating room for that voice to emerge, shifted my career path, shifted how I do business, you know, shifted so many, so many big and small things. And, it's why I say that to be still takes courage because you are going to hear or perceive uh, something that has been waiting in, you know, like the galley of your heart and soul for you to see it. And if you really look close enough, it will shift you. I have a friend we were talking about the conviction that can come to us in stillness, you know, and just own so deep conviction that another way is possible and we ought to get on about the business of that way. So yeah, your question was, you know, you asked me about that first restorative class, but I definitely didn't enjoy it and realized that I needed it, but I still didn't go back for years and it was a crisis that took me back to restorative yoga. Wow. Because I was like, well, what is the value of stillness, right? We don't live in a culture that privileges our our teach our values stillness we value productivity we value what you can show me that you can do we value and even I use productivity in air quotes because I'm like what does that even mean and why does productivity have to be an external show right because for me stillness is actually and quiet is actually profoundly generative Every book I've written has been received in quiet and stillness, <laughs> you know, you know, and so that's just to spin the word productivity on its head. And is it only this kind of outward show of things? But, but yeah, I definitely sat through that first class thinking, wow, what a waste of time about, how, you know, three fourths of the class and then the, the last one fourth or one half or so. I was like, this is transforming me. But then I got, I just got scared. I was like, what is happening to me? What is this release I feel? Who am I if I'm not what I do? Who am I if I'm not 
what I can do for you. Who am I if I'm not all of my, you know, if I'm not my degree, my title, my relationship, my (laughs) house, my car, my stuff. And that was the feeling that started to kind of descend upon me when I was resting is this release of some of this cumbersomeness. But I quickly picked it back up because who are, you know, if you've been carrying something for so long, you've adapted to that weight, you've adapted to that, that weariness, you've adapted to that belief system. Yeah. So what I love about that is, um, this, you know, we talk here about, you know, the space for magic is really that space in between mm. human effort and divine manifestation, meaning there's only so much you can do to have yourself manifest within your life experience what the divine wants for you. And then there's mm. a gap. And you have to surrender on the edge of your own, where your effort meets divine's intervention. And that mm. point of surrender is scary because yes. you can't do anything like you're no mm. longer in charge, this illusion of being in charge. And and what I love about what you're saying is you're offering a way of processing that vulnerable space physically. Yeah. And it's why restorative yoga with all of the, you know, I, I don't tell people to just lay on the floor. It's like, no, let's put blankets underneath you. Let's put soft pillow under your, like this kind of creating a cocoon for you to land. And and so the support, the physical support of this practice that I'm talking about is really necessary for the, the kind of surrender that stillness calls us into, or that, you know, when I'm teaching or sharing, I'm inviting people into. I think it's really beautiful what you said about surrender and being at the edge of like, you know, what we can do and and the divine's will or intervention or support. And God, there was something I wanted to say about that. It just kind of escaped me. But one thing I've realized for myself, and it just came to me one day when I was just putting more things on my list to do before I rested, which is rare because usually I, I wake up and I rest. <laughs> Meaning, you know, like wait, I wait, wait. With- I'm going to stop that. I, I want to stop you because I want those that listening to to really hear that. Like you wake up and then you rest because they're two different things. Go ahead. Yeah. You know, sleep is a biological need and function. I actually feel, you know, but at some point, sleep is pretty involuntary unless you're being tortured and someone's making you stay awake. And the body needs the food of sleep, is what I call it. And, you know, like, and what I mean by wake up and rest, I wake up and I let, I, I do it slowly. I try to pay attention to, moving out of the deep sleep state to now my eyes are opening. The other day I had this glorious experience where the light was streaming through the window and, and maybe my room was dusty, but there were like particles of light streaming in. Like I let like resting for me is moving slowly up and out of sleep. And then I also just lay there and I have like a prayer 
that I say to myself before my feet even hit the ground. And the simpleness of it is thank you. Thank you for this day, you know. Thank you for divine grace. Thank you for holding me. Thank you for my family. Thank you for loving me. You know, I say a prayer of gratitude and then I lay there five more breaths. Okay, now I'm, I'm going to get up because <laughs> I have a five-year-old who by this time is like, hello, mother. <laughs> you know, and so for me, rest is also, it's an intentionality. It is what really restores us on all the layers of our being beyond just simply the body. And so I also mean very specifically, I wake up, I do the household things I need to do because I'm a mother, I'm my own person, I'm also a wife and partner, and then I meditate, you know, but on this particular day, I don't know, maybe I was in a bad mood, I was like, I'm not going to rest first, this to-do list or whatever was going on with me. I had a lot of resistance to being still that day, and then when I finally sat down and to do my more structured practice of stillness and rest. I said, what were you, what was all that resistance about? And basically the words that came to me were to resist rest. When we resist rest, we resist God. <laughs> you know, like you know and I laugh after it. And, and, I, and so I wrote those words down because I said, okay, that's an interesting thought. But it also felt like more than I thought. It was just like reverberation through me. And so that was a, a few weeks ago that those specific set of words came to me. And I've been thinking about it and, and, and just resting with it and kind of walking with it to resist rest is to resist God. And when you said, you know, surrender at the edge of, you know, what we can do and then what great big spirit can support us in doing, it reminded me of that, right? Of mm. how rest supports us. We Rest tells us, allows us to leave room for something much greater than us to really support our visions, our dreams, our hopes, our lives, and even to hold us within our fears. And yeah, so I'm like resisting rest isn't just like, resisting time to myself because for me it is in that rest where I meet more of the essence of my own being my creation and really remember who and what I come from and so that is all the big stuff I think we're resisting when we're not resting yes and you know I think for me personally part of it is also at least I've just gone through this period of deep pause. I wouldn't say I was always in a spirit of rest, but I was definitely in a spirit of pause. It's just this idea of, okay, but what is going to be asked of me inside that space? Like, what is the new thing I'm going to have to let go of? And do I have the courage to follow that calling right now? when taking care of tasks just is so much easier. Yeah, that's, um, thank you for naming that. Because I keep, we both keep talking about like the revelations, right, that come in rest. And what you hear and see that then you can't unhear and unsee. 
And, you know, that's, that's just why I say rest for me is a really generative space. And sometimes I go to a purposely because I'm like, what is here for me? What's within the pregnant pause that is gestating and wants to be birthed, you know? And sometimes I just go there and it's just this kind of blank space. There's nothing, right? It's not always that way, right? Mm. I'm just saying, I think it's really important to leave space in our life for, to use your word, for magic to emerge. And also for me, rest is how do I live and be with the, the mundane task of my life too? And what I what I mean by that is um, a rest practice. Sometimes people go, okay, I tell you, give me a practical rest practice that's not a yoga based one, as if those things aren't practical. <laughs> but but I also understand it because I'm like, I definitely am that kind of person, and definitely used to be that kind of person, and privileged whatever you know things I would call practical or actually now I'm like, well, that was actually pretty. It's pretty impractical and unsustainable the way most people live if you think about it, right? Mm-hmm rushing from place to place, eating in the car, all of these. I'm like, actually, if we break that down, it's, that's not sustainable. How long can we actually live that way? But a really accessible, I'll say, rest-like practice is one, I call it one thing at a time, meaning I'm chopping carrots. I'm chopping carrots. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm having this conversation with you. And, you know, I have my windows up. So my mind, I might look out the window and my mind might start to wander to something else. And I just keep bringing it back to I'm talking to Patty. It's just one thing at a time. You know, I go pick up my son. I'm the afternoon carpool queen. And I always know I usually talk to my sister on the way there. And once my son gets into the car, I'm like, he's going to want to tell me all about his day and repeat the same stories 15 times. Oh, and as wow. much and as much <laughs> and as much as I'm like, well, I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to listen to this other thing. I go, I just want to be it's actually really restful for me to just decide that I'm just going to sit here and listen to him. And then when I'm like, OK, is enough of this story. I'm going to ask him very kindly most days some days not okay let's have some quiet time or let's listen to a podcast story or something and i'm saying all of that to say is most of the time we are like obsessed with how do i multitask there are like a whole a lots of blogs 10 ways to multitask and for me i'm like multitasking is distracted tasking and it makes things take longer and it creates more fatigue and so for me, a basic rest practice is tend to one thing at a time and, and deeper presence within whatever I'm doing, right? Okay, so we have a to-do list because we are householders. We live in the physical world and we've chosen or been blessed to have partnerships and family and community. And we tend to those things. And also for me, I'm just like, how can we invite the spirit of rest even into what we do by choice and also what must be done? Mm. Do you understand what I'm saying? You know, like I, like I'm an advocate of like the lay down the pause to lay on your couch and just listen to the birds outside your window. Like when I'm talking about rest, I'm talking about that. And I'm also talking about the spirit in which we do what we do, the Mm. spirit of more presence to bring my whole self to this. But here's the thing, when we are deeply fatigued and tired and just trying to rush to the next thing, 
we're not there. We're nowhere. Like we're not there. We yeah. can't be present. And that creates this really endless challenging cycle, you know? And so that's what I mean. Like even in, even in my to-do list, because I love me a good list and a spreadsheet, right? Like this is a part of my very human, my personality and makeup. And my dedicated rest time, which by the way, I think 10 minutes is plenty, right? If someone wants to practice and if someone's like, well, I can't be still for 10 minutes, I'm like, okay, start with one minute, right? But that that dedication, that dedicated practice really supports me in bringing more ease and spirit of rest and presence to everything I do, which is plenty, right? You know, mm-hmm. which is more than enough. I don't, I don't just teach about rest, but I have, you know, I'm a parent, I'm an author, I own a business, I consult with corporations for how rest can actually support their deepening of their visions and expansion of their missions, right? So there's a a lot of really meaningful work that I do and the spirit of rest really informs how I presence that and how I show up to it and for it. So that's that's my invitation to people, Patty, is to have some moments of dedicated rest or a moment of dedicated rest built into their waking life, their very much to doing life. And also just to start to pay more attention to whatever it is you're actually doing versus being in one place physically and mentally always being someplace else or just rushing through to get to the next thing. Mm, Yes. As you were talking about your five-year-old son, what was going through my head, you answered the question. (laughs) I was thinking, oh God, please don't tell me she's going to say, I mean, mine are teenagers now, but like the idea of listening to a five-year-old story straight through to the end, when that (laughs) five-year-old decides the story is over, that felt like its own little form of hell. So I'm glad. (laughs) I'm really glad to hear there was an exit ramp for that. Oh, there, there is an exit ramp, you know, and sometimes he gets in, he's like, I don't feel like talking today. And, you know, because <laughs> this is definitely five-year-old life. Like my son could tell a story for two hours, uh-huh. you know, and I, and so I maintain the both ends. Sometimes I do just sit and listen and I go, mm-hmm, okay. And, and he'll go, one day he said, are you listening? Do you understand me? And I said, I am listening. I don't really understand though, but that made him start over. <laughs> <laughs> Note to self, total honesty is not necessary when when listening fully to a five-year-old. You know, and so there's the like, I'm very human and sometimes I'm like, oh man, is there a point to the story? So there's that part. And my rest helps me to really perceive into he won't be five forever. And one day I'm just going to want him to talk to me like you know like I it's like the both and for me because I can I can actually be pretty impatient right (laughs) it's also part I'm like I teach that which I need to stay deeply close to I have to stay close to this practice right and it gives me perspective on uh, all things are passing and so I have it helps me have patience with my five-year-old actually in these endless stories he tells I love that you said you can be impatient because, you know, I think we all have, when we meet someone through 
a work, a body of work without meeting them personally. So for you, I was first introduced to you through quotes of yours that were posted. Mm-hmm. And they're on this beautiful, like I just love your branding. It's this beautiful coral color and the gold and brown. <laughs> and, and all the words are just like, I'm like, ah, oh, there's an oracle on the planet and she is going to give me the portal to this deep connective <laughs> way of being, right? And then I'm reading your book and there really isn't, you know, because the stories are there to support the essence of pause recipe, there really isn't the discussion of the impatience. But, mm. but you saying that just, is a nice reminder of it is possible to embody this deeply and still have a personality that is called to the world in very typical ways, you know? Oh, of course, you know, and, and it's like, this is a practice, you know, it's a cliche, but this is a practice, not a perfect. And I actually do believe many people I don't know if this is true for you, but what I experience a lot of is people offering the medicine that A, save them, and also that they know they need to stay close to. Mm. You know, like mm-hmm. that is, I have an incredible somatic therapist who's, you know, my personal therapist. And this somatic piece, this dance piece, this movement piece, this kind of mindful, creative way of exploring a body that she brings into her therapeutic practice is what really saved her, you know, like that. And, and it also, it feels different. You know, her offering feels different because there's such conviction. It's an embodied conviction in her body because she's like, this is, this is how I've been lifted out of some of my own dark places and depression, right? And I just keep experiencing over and over that people's medicine is really pouring out of some of their deepest wounds. Mm. And that is, that's my experience with myself and with so many healers. And yeah, I, (laughs) unpracticed Octavia is, and I try to cheat life like a practice, but it's not a static state. I dip in and dip out of it. I go, I don't want to hear the rest of your story. And then I have days where I'm like, this is amazing. I can savor every word because I know you won't be five forever. You know, by the, you know, by the time you're 10, you might just be like, oh, mama, I don't, I don't have a story to tell you anymore. You know, whatever mm-hmm. it is. Mm-hmm. And so I, I'm a big proponent of the both end and really... <laughs> I flex my human muscles. I have spiritual muscles. And I think, I think we all do, you know, mm-hmm. we all yes. do. Well, yeah. and you know, one of the main, like sort of the structure of what, you know, I teach is all about receiving and learning how to receive. Mm. And, oh yes, that is every other episode I do. That's just me is me talking about how I'm not, <laughs> I'm struggling with mm. that once again. So I do think we're called to teach what we need to learn yeah, because it deepens it. It deepens it. It deepens it. And I mean, the journey gets really gnarly and it's such a spiral, right? It's not, healing is not linear. Transformation is not linear, you know, and, and even hearing you to speak about teaching about receiving as a theme, as a life thing, you know, as part of your hero's journey, really, 
I understand that. And rest is a practice of receiving. Mm, yes. You know, sometimes I describe rest as I'm like, rest is such a perfect lover, if we will, right? Rest says, just come here and lay down. I will hold you. And many of us kind of intellectually were like, yes, that's what I want. <laughs> and then we thought of it. It's like, well, actually, can I trust this? Are you really going to ask me for something else? You know, and I, I, I think of rest also as like such intimacy with the spirit of reception, with the spirit of mm. just being, with the spirit of allowing, with. Uh, it's such a nourishing practice, right? Just, you know, if we all just went and just laid down and did nothing, something's still going to happen. We're still going to experience something. And sometimes that's something that we get is just energy, you know, it's yeah. relief, you know, it's an insight as we've talked about. But the rest practice is a practice of allowing yourself, oneself to receive and be received. Mm, yes. Yes. So there was a question that was really like on my heart to ask, but this has brought the listeners to such a beautiful place. I don't want to go there. I do want to mention it though, for you listening and Octavia, you comment on it in whatever way you feel called to. In the middle of the book, you talk about liminal space. And to me, this concept was the one that just, it shifted something very fundamentally inside of me, which is why I want to bring it up if you're listening, but Mm. understand the book is going to give you the depth of this. Mm. The reason I want to bring it up is because I think it explains why to someone listening who is listening to you is like, yes, this is what I need. Now I get it at a deeper level. I am going to explore this. I am going to lean into this. And then they go back out into their regular life and they find themselves back in resistance. (laughs) And I think it's because of the fear of what that liminal space brings. So can you just at a very high level talk about what it is and why this practice is so important? Yeah. So first I would say that person who's like, yes, I had this practice. I had this experience. And then they're back, you know, in the car with their kids screaming, go, how human are you? Right? Like how I just go, when I have those moments, I go, how human am I? What, you know, I go, how human am I? And the liminal space, as I define it in the book or talk about it in Paul's recipe is that place where you can't read, there's a past, right? A place where you cannot return to a no longer, I call it. What's behind us is no longer and the place of not quite yet. And the liminal space kind of is that if we're talking about just time. And rest is that place between being fully awake, dreaming, and sleeping. It's a void-like space where it feels like nothing and everything. You know, it's very ripe. And it's also you know, this nectar still hanging from the fruit tree, so to speak. And so I think that the liminal space is that place in between. And a word that we use for it is also is very unknown. And thus the unknown becomes this place of uncertainty and 
because the liminal space defies definition and boundaries, if you will, in this one sense. It's a place of possibility, mm-hmm. right? If we just pause right now, if we just went and laid down right now, we rested right now and got kind of deeply relaxed, there's nothing there. <laughs> and, you know, and this is really any moment. It's like we can't go back to any moment. And if we pause, we might think we know what's next, but we don't. Right. And that's the liminal. That's the liminal space. Mm. And I think forging a relationship with that place of what we often call unknown uncertain is also forging a relationship with possibility. And so there are times in life when we are, we meet an abrupt, painful, disorienting ending. And then we're pushed into the liminal, the space in between, because nothing's beginning quite yet. And that can be incredibly, we just want to know what's next, right? We just want to know. It's kind of like the summer between senior year and college, right? Mm. To use it. So, you know, that's a liminal space, right? Because we, college is the, the name we're calling was next, but we have no idea, like, when you're in the liminal space, exactly what that's going to be. And my call, and what I think often happens is there's always a space between anything. There's going to be a space when we stop listening to this podcast. And we can choose. We can choose to run right into the next thing or we can pause to linger in the liminal space. Notice what kind of ripples and reverberates from what we just heard here, what touches our heart and soul. And we might notice if we linger in the liminal space or that place in between, that we don't, we're not quite ready to rush into whatever's next. And I, and And if we just allow the pause or that space in between or that moment of transition to expand around us, possibility emerges where there once was, where there once was uncertainty. And what I mean by that is to use the, just listening to the podcast as an example. So you listen, we come to the end and a part of you is like, just go to the next thing, just continue on your to-do list path for the day. And a part of you is like, I heard something, I felt something. I choose to pause. I choose to linger in this. And if you do that, maybe even just three minutes, something might emerge that is so like resonant, interesting, juicy, or even just a new perspective. That's the possibility I'm talking about that lives in the liminal. And, And we actually have power to, because there's a pause between everything, right? If you take an inhale, there's a pause right after it. If you take an exhale, there's a pause right after it. If you open a door, there's really, it's not just opening and closing. There's a little linger. There's a little pause between that. And what I'm talking about is being aware enough to notice the in-between and aware enough to then, what I need to actually expand the, the space in between to expand it, and you'll access more possibility within that. But that takes capacity because, to be clear, the moments in between are moments of uncertainty. I don't know what's next. (laughs) And that also means I can call in, create, ask for what is next. Mm. Does that that make sense to you? Yes. You know, and so it's it's really just the the place in between in this one sense. And I also think when we do 
when we engage really mindful, still practices is that this deeper place we can drop drop into full of really deep wisdom. And that is actually the unknown, right? Because we spend most of our lives on the surface of our beings and stillness calls us into depth and that place in between. Yes. Which is really just the transition and the pause. I love this. And I don't want to... I don't want to offer another question into this because I think this is the takeaway. This is the invitation to each person listening on what to do, you know, right after we hit the stop record button. That being said, is there anything you haven't shared that you would like someone listening to know or hear? So what I haven't shared that I want to share with everyone is is one breath, right? Like one intentional breath and to, to send people forward into, after the exhale, into the pause that is right there. And so if I can, Patty, I invite everyone, wherever they're listening, however they are listening, to take one full inhale, to notice the pause that is there and then to allow the exhale to spill forward and to without holding just notice the organic pause that is there and to let that be what they they linger in instead of jumping forward to stay right here. Mm. Yes. Well, this has been yes, so peaceful this experience. So I thank you for being here, Octavia. If you are interested in purchasing Pause Recipe, and I highly recommend it, you can find it. um, Well, first, you can find Octavia's work at pauserecipe.com. And Octavia, do you have a preference on where they purchase your book? Where is convenient for them? Purchase it there. I really like when people support their independent and local bookstores to elevate those people who are on the ground, you know, um, supporting us. And Patty, I just want to say thank you so much. I really enjoyed spending this time with you. And it felt to me like taking a little pause, even though we were talking, it felt restorative. Mm. Yes. and. Thank you for that guidance. For those of you listening, this was something we contemplated before we hit the record button. So thank you for that leadership, Octavia. (laughs) You're so welcome. All right, everyone. Well, you have a new tool, maybe an old tool that you're remembering in creating space for magic. And I wish you just so much rest as you go into the rest of your week. Much love. And have a wonderful day. Hey, thanks for listening. If you know someone who needs to hear this message, please share this episode with them. And if you're feeling really generous, I'd love for you to leave us a review at your favorite podcast app. It helps us reach many more people and it fills my heart with so much joy when I hear what you have to say about what I've shared. I'm cheering for your success. Have an amazing day. And don't forget, always create space for magic.
This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.